From the 915 to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between, this is the 5050 Podcast, powered by College Promoters USA. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, along with an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 5050 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. Here we go. It's another edition of the 5050 podcast powered by our proud partners, College Promoters USA. They are America's premier college prep program and high school student athlete marketing service since 1997. Located locally here in San Antonio, you can find them in the Ventura Plaza Shopping Center. You can also find them on social media, on Twitter at SATX Recruiting, as well as on Instagram at College Promoters USA. You can also get more information on the many thing, many cool things they're doing and what they're about on their website at collegepromotersusa.com. My next guest, uh, very proud, very happy to have him here, another fellow veteran who's doing some phenomenal things in the college game. I've been a big fan of his work, been able to connect with him for about a year or so now. So uh, we're excited to have him on, blessed to have him on. He is Coach Ahmad Brown, the assistant women's soccer coach and performance analyst at Texas A&M University. Coach, welcome. Hector, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here. It's always uh, great to to not only listen in on your podcast, but but now be a guest and and be on here. So this is a great opportunity. Thank you. Awesome. Thank. I'll tell you the way I told uh, the way I told Coach Salas over now at uh, Ebling Christian. Right. I said so. So you're the one, huh? You're the one that's listening. I've been trying to track down who's the one that's listening. So awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that, um, <laughs> Coach. So you know, Happy New Year as well. You know, you're. You're you're our second episode of the new year. We're excited to have you here. We're going to talk a lot of things from, obviously, your time. You know, you have a very unique story. And one of the things that I really want to hit on is we have a a lot of things in common as well. So I'm very excited and and very proud to see some of the things that you're doing within the game. But before we get into that, just very briefly, just kind of tell us a couple of the places that you've been and how you arrived at Texas A&M. Yeah, so, you know, started off, you know, originally from Florida, grew up in Melbourne, um, have a lot of great close friends that were there. It's a very rich soccer community in the entire state. Um, then went up, did my formal education, was playing up in Wisconsin, did start my coaching at the high school there that at St. Thomas More was doing volunteer and assistant work with Marquette, and then made my way to the University of Florida, and then Florida State, and now with Texas A&M. And along that road, I had, you know, um, club here and there. So I can't, I don't want to be dismissive to that either. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it's like, don't make it sound like, uh, yeah, you've been on a, you've been on a pretty awesome journey. But uh, so in the middle of all of that, you know, we talked about, or I alluded to it briefly, but you also spent some time, you also spent some time in the army as a, you know, as a fellow veteran, as a combat veteran as well. So in that role, so again, I always got to share that with a fellow veteran. Thank you. You know, it can sound, whether it sounds corny, cliche, whatever, but, you know, we do appreciate your service. Thank you for your service. Um, but making making the transition as a veteran into, 
you know, quote unquote, civilian life and coaching at that, you know, what was that like? Take, take us through that transition. Oh, that's a, that's a good question. With the transition, because the jobs are not particularly the same, right? I think the commonalities that you have amongst them are going to be things such as leadership role, management at different levels, teamwork, individuality, etc. But for me, it was a little bit more difficult, only in the sense that a lot of the pathway and navigation to transition from military to civilian sector was already difficult as it is. And then when you throw in the anomaly of, of coaching in itself and how there isn't really a linear pathway either, it, it further, I guess you could say, for better lack of words, exacerbates the situation in terms of trying to find how you can get there, what's the type of do credits transfer between the branch into university if you want to do your studies? How does that translate into you know your your private sector for for work with civilians? And then and then most importantly is trying to find out what skill sets you have in the military that can be found on a different resume. For instance, we're not going to put on there close quarter battle breaching, right? Because it's not quite the same. However, it's not relevant. I guess that's not considered relevant, huh? Maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. right. So, so for me, it was it was a lot of on my own, and it wasn't it wasn't because no one was willing to help me. It's just because the soccer community is not dense with veterans or or those who are familiar of making that type of step in transition. So a lot of navigating it was was unfamiliar for me, and it was it was a little difficult. But I with the with the assistance of those who have always supported me and have surrounded me, have helped kind of guide me there, I think that has made the transition a lot more smooth than, than what it could have been. Um, to go a little bit further in depth, I do think that there there could be a different pathway, you know, for that transition. But again, it's 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 such a unique skill set mm -hmm. in terms of that job and how that translates into coaching that it's it's really difficult to make that type right. of transition. Yeah. Yeah. Many things, they don't translate, uh, they tend to not translate directly, right, in terms of verbiage and terminology and titles of, and positions, right? But but what you cannot ignore is just, or the experiences, right? Though, now those translate directly, right? The leadership piece, the management piece, the team, you know, the, the teamwork piece, the being a team player piece, how, what were the things beyond titles? What were the things that you felt were like instant, instantly uh, relevant, instantly maybe gave you a leg up as you started transitioning into the coaching world because of your experiences um, in the Army? Teamwork, teamwork in high duress scenarios and being able to have that leadership situation. Because in the military, we all know it's, it's, it's a team-oriented trait we don't have individuals it's always going to be groups or, or or battalions and brigades and units but at any given time you're going to be managing a group of individuals and i think having that early on experience plus having my time overseas in iraq you know there wasn't really anything that came up short as far as a leadership scenario whether that's managing their physical fitness to ensure that all the soldiers 
are physically fit, making sure that they're having proper nutrition, making sure that their uniforms are intact, and making sure that they have accountability of everything that belongs to them, their equipment. So that way, when we go out, we can be successful. And, and I think there, I can go even further in detail, um, but there, there, are, there are several components of leadership and teamwork from the military that directly translates into soccer is just the occupation in itself is the only thing that really makes the the, the drastic difference gotcha so so why coaching right you're in the middle find yourself in the military obviously a couple of combat tours what how what led you to the game and what led you to coaching because as we all know i don't think it was the money <laughs> so what uh why coaching well, I mean, it's it's funny you say that because, um, you know, the root of it in some form is is money. You know, I come from a poor family, um, mm -hmm. you know, not very well educated in, in, in all its form. And so struggling a little bit financially and and seeing sports as an avenue really, really right. was important for me. And being able to utilize that platform and be able to make the next step was 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 really, really important. And, and I didn't quite know how that was going to translate into the world. I wasn't good enough to be a professional athlete um, and, and coaching wasn't really quite in the picture. So when I had joined the military and I started picking up on things that I started was interesting and was motivating young kids, motivating other people to, to do better, try to help them in terms of leadership and aspirations and goals and pathways just to help them navigate. And I think that's where the military and coaching came together because there are a lot of people who are like that in those circumstances in the military where the, the job itself provides you not only great benefits for your family, but it gives you disciplinary skills, leadership, and, and just a way of, 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 of life should you not be afforded any other pathway. And with that, the leadership component and working and volunteering with the kids and helping them between both the military and soccer kind of bled together, I guess you could say. And mm -hmm. with that, I was able to discover, hey, I can coach and train young athletes and help guide them through the process and step the same way that I did for young soldiers going through their military career. Right. Just the only difference now is I wasn't able to have that mentor growing up to help guide me yeah. to make it to that next level. Whereas is now I've had the blessing to take my leadership skills and help guide those youngsters from high school and show them the way versus what I was not afforded to at the time. Right. Yeah. 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 Definitely service oriented, no doubt. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, this one's very broad, but maybe some of our veterans that are listening, right, that currently aren't coaching or have been thinking about it, but just haven't gone through with it some maybe some athletic directors head coaches maybe whether it's at the high school level or definitely at the college level regardless of division right <clears throat> for all of them out there uh or maybe it's even club directors why why do more vets need to consider becoming coaches soccer coaches and why should more be hired as coaches regardless of level well what i think the leadership component is the most important part i think when you think about the military everyone kind of looks at it as this mercenary group or you know the only occupations are conflict 
um, or they look at Top Gun. And, and while those things are all important in its own facet, I think the skill set that military leaders bring to the table is that one-on-one and group leadership. There's something to be said about going through training like everyone else, learning the ropes and being able to train the next generation to make that step. And for a lot of military members, especially those who continue their career on very, very far, you're exposed to that type of leadership at every single level, whether that's maintaining the books with S2 on equipment, or if that's maintaining your weapons or just your person and your team, um, it's it's no different. It's the same accountability as a as a coach or the same thing as a team who has a captain. She needs or he needs to make sure or they need to make sure that everyone has their socks, everyone has the right ball, you know, is everyone at training on time? And all of those scenarios are rooted within you as a military member from the second that you step foot off that bus at at boot camp or, or training camp, wherever it may be, until you're done. I mean, it's it's very much translatable as far as the way we do things in the military and how it can structure into sports. I think there's a reason why you see oftentimes a lot of these elite organizations are going to the military with team building principles, with team building drills and, and advice, et cetera, because it, there are a lot more commonalities than what those understand. Yeah. I think looking at veterans, it's, it should be, it should be uh, definitely looked at for sure. Right. Yeah. You know, so we talked about coaching, why coaching? And it's one thing to say, Hey, I want to, I want to become a coach. I want to coach soccer. It's another to dive into the uh, performance, the analytics, right? The performance, the analysis piece, the trends piece. So how, how and why, how did that come about and why? For me? For you, yeah. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. So, I mean, my, my job downrange was to analyze and marshal the mission as much as possible and a lot of that is being able to gather as much information as possible on whether that's an enemy combatant or if it's a high value target that you're looking for or if it's just a, a simple presence patrol it's it's again it's the same thing that translates into soccer and i think that's where the beauty of it and where my mind kind of operates those who who know me i my mind is all over the place and looking in, in extreme details I never, I never met a coach whose mind wasn't though, you know, that's, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I guess I asked the question though, also, because, you know, I, that's how, where we kind of crossed paths initially was became a big fan of your work going back to what you were starting to do at Florida, but definitely with Florida state. And, uh, you know, and I, I had the opportunity, I had the privilege of going through back in, Think, well, August of 2019, I went through the United Soccer Coaches, their inaugural sports, their performance analysis course, right? It was a what, two, two and a half day in residence course that they had there at uh, at their campus there in Union Station in Kansas City. And it was it was phenomenal. It was to be in that room with coaches at all kinds of different levels as well. The minds that were in there, the discussions were pretty awesome, right? They were incredible. And, and I took a lot from that. And then when I came across you and the work that you were doing, I could definitely relate to it. And I, you know, analysis and trends. I'm a big trends guy, right? I try to 
you know, pick up on these things. Um, when you look at it from that perspective and what you've learned, right, where, where do you see the game at the college level? Where do you see it going and maybe in your own little crystal ball, right? You're maybe the next three to five years, that analysis, that performance analysis piece, where do you maybe see it going in the college game in the next three to five years? That's a good question, Hector. Yeah. In the next three to five years, it's it's going to be mandatory. You know, it's going to be a very, very important component for programs because with more data being accessible, players becoming exceptionally better, coaches becoming more knowledgeable, and with the information more readily available, you have to find your extra edge. And that extra edge comes from analyzing the material that's provided to you. And if you're not, you're going to fall behind. And I think you can see that. There's there's a relative amount of programs around the country that are doing this formally, informally, just because of the compliance rules and financial structure on how that goes. But I foresee in the next three to five years, you're going to see more programs at a, at a higher rate looking for these roles for them. And it's, and it's going to be something where it's more frequent because we're behind the curve. If I'm being completely honest, as far as a nation, um, in terms of just the the role itself and the familiarity and how it's being implemented into programs, but particularly on the women's side, for me, the data is is so so the sample size is so small, and now you're having more companies that are becoming invested, especially with the likes of companies with Sports Code and Huddle and Instat integrating and things becoming again more available. Programs are going to find this a necessity. And not only that, players are going to want to get better. And yeah. a lot of that's going to come down to analyzing the material. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, a while back we had, I want to say maybe about 10, 12 episodes back, we had uh, so a couple of representatives from both from VO as well as Beyond Pulse and um, leading up to the TASCO convention. And one of the trends that they identified were, were that in the coming years where it's going is college coaches when they're looking at you know prospective student athletes out, coming out of high school into their programs as it becomes more and more available that uh, that bio data is going to be requested to accompany the film right so mm -hmm. film film one day will not be enough anymore right um what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean it, it's 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 a it's a good question it's a good topic to for everyone to kind of probe into because as you look Overseas, you have transfer markets. I mean, even in the U.S., you see everything as far as recruits getting posted. Four-star recruit gets signed, five-star recruit gets signed. And you want to be able to look at these metrics because you want to see, is that player going to be able to perform, particularly not only within your program, but within the conference? And uniquely, conferences play different stylistically. You know, Pac-12 is going to play different than the SEC, than the ACC, Big Ten, SWAC. Etc. And being able to understand these metrics is important. You know, for us in the SEC, we know it's an extremely athletic and and relatively aerial game. And so, looking for a player that can match not only the technical ability but the athleticism markered with the physicality, that's a great pick. And if you're able to narrow that down early on then it, it allows you to narrow your selection pool with recruits, prospective athletes, and, and most importantly, what's going to be huge for college coaches and, and, and even 
at every level is going to be the transfer portal and being able to look at that again you know it's it's again it's the game is becoming more unique it's becoming more refined and detailed and and Mm -hmm. with that i think you need to have more collective minds looking at everything yeah yeah that's i mean very well said um so whether it's the coach who is zero tech savvy out there right it doesn't it's not a, a old coach thing it's like we have young coaches that are not necessarily very tech savvy right so whether it's the coach that's not very tech savvy or they're strictly x's and o's oriented maybe and they're kind of wondering or the parent or even the current high school student athlete that's out there they hear us talking about analysis data metrics trends when we talk about the data give us a little bit of insight specifically because there may those all those people may be wondering okay he keeps talking about this information he keeps mentioning data but what exactly is he referring to when he says data tell us a couple of things that you're talking about so simple one that everyone is very familiar with is xg it's expected goals so with that mm-hmm. it's being able to project the possibility the the rate of success in which that said individual is going to be able to score or the the the, the possibility that's that's one of them um we don't i don't particularly use that one too often for for other reasons beyond that but for one for instance if you look in most you mean this guy right here yeah this guy right here yeah yeah (laughs) sitting on my desk over here yeah yeah. well and that's and 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 it's it's great that you asked that question because with the data that's provided you not only do you have to look at it and you want to understand what it is you have to understand what's applicable for you at your level and what your program is doing right you're not going to have a u6 or u8 looking at xg components and understanding how many Mm -hmm. penetrating passes they make etc and so uh, before i carry on i think that's the most important part is understanding what's most applicable and fitting to you and your program and i think at that point once you've been able to identify it that's when Mm -hmm start being able to narrow down the data that you're looking at and so and that's go ahead no no go ahead go ahead sorry and, and i think that's where again it piggybacks off of understanding the philosophy of the program and the coaches and what yeah. they want yeah and then also understanding the expectations of parameters within your cons and what you not only raise the level of performance but the possibility of winning right um right. so for us it's it's okay how many players can we get into the wide boxes of the 18s and then play cutback because that factor of scoring goals has has raised over the years and it's been a common trend within the world cup and everyone's talking about it so again it's like what can you look at that's applicable to your program and the style that you play um and at that at that point you're able to to not only refine your data but you're able to explore it a lot more as well mm-hmm. yeah so i guess though if i'm hearing you correctly you're saying i should hold off on implementing this with my u my u5s right i guess yeah. is that what you're saying right <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 no uh but tongue-in-cheek obviously but uh you know so you mentioned xg what are some other things that you can expand on oh um most so shots on goal so shots on goal is a very controversial one it's it's uh is it something that really explains the performance you know i think a lot of people again it's up it's open for interpretation a team that outshoots someone else 
there's no there's no real correlation between that being successful or unsuccessful because if a team outshoots the other one 20 to 6 but then if they mm -hmm. score a goal they might taper off that shooting so then so then again how does that translate so that's so that's mm -hmm. one um another one is penetrating passes breaking lines so again everyone yeah. defines it differently i define it as an early vertical ball so it's just simple for the players to understand when the right. ball is played forward you know how many lines of confrontation uh, or players not mm -hmm. lots of confrontation mm -hmm. players are are we are we breaking with that pass to be able to advance that ball forward um again it's it really does depend on how you're looking at it because another opponent might not build out the back they might want to clip the ball in so again it's now i want to look at okay if i'm playing against a team that's always playing the ball out the back out of the air from the goalkeeper in the 50 50 confrontations where are they doing it the most how successful mm -hmm. are they and then that's where the biometrics come in okay are we are we mismatching do we have someone who's five two on a di filippo who might be you know five ten <laughs> you know it's a mismatch yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's yeah. about understanding the data and, and respecting your opponent um but that, that's where it becomes exploratory again yeah harder stat line to discern what is the maybe the more consistent or inconsistent stat line you talked about one shots on goal versus maybe the hot one right now, especially coming out of this men's world cup possession, possession percentage. What do you think? Yeah. So I know it's loaded. I know that's a loaded one, but yeah, have at it. Yeah. So, so I, I think this is a good one, be, particularly because coming from various programs at Florida, at the university of Florida with Becky Burley and, and Alan and Vic, it was a very possession based oriented team. Even with that system being an SEC, you knew if you're playing against them that there's going to be a cluster of passes, especially flat across. Um, versus when you go into other teams' parts into the SEC, you might get um, a one side team that's more defensive, so they might not attack as forward as possible. So that's where I think possession is is a little bit different because you kind of have to see who's playing direct, who's playing indirect, and do they value possession or or are they a team that can't that's the other thing as well is do you have the component to do that and achieve it so i think it's it's a good statistic to look at if you just want to simply see who's maintaining possession of the ball but having a clear understanding to say well if said team maintains it for 66 percent then you know they're going to win that's not always the case so I think right. I think that's I think that's a tough one. I think for mm -hmm. ones that are a little bit more, what's the word I, I can say, more refined and, and and concrete for me, that's important is is 50-50 in second balls. You know, how important are you taking first contact? And then do you have players that are set in good positions to win the secondary ball? I, I think that's one where it's not as controversial. But again, it, right. it's it, it's all dependent on the program philosophy. So I guess, and, and this is one maybe that we can expand on more later because we we can clear. I think you and I can clearly clearly nerd out on this subject. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, at what point, like maybe when you start to identify, you look at analysis of of a, you know a, a tech report, really, a, you know, analysis, post match analysis. How how many different external factors, variables, or what are the key ones to keep it? You know, whether they be you know, the extenuating circumstances, the variables of whether they be 
uh, time of day of the match, weather, right? Inclement weather. Um, where both teams quote unquote at 100% in terms of injury free, right? You know, there's, cause you can add so you can, what if it all day, obviously. So I think that becomes the other piece, right? Is if I'm going to identify my key variables to be able to decipher this information, you know, what would apply? I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now in terms of when I start looking at, at data from, from, uh, from matches. What are your thoughts on that? I think you have to look at it in three different components. I think you have to look at it at, in in-game strategy, player development, and sports science. With sports science, with the data, again, it's it's has it's it's as depth as you want it to go, and it and it's all surrounding on the detail of the the staff and the program of what they want to look at. For example, in sports science, do you want to look at load management and then be able to manage their substitution blocks for in-game strategies? you would have done a scouting report prior. So are you entering the wide box areas on the left flank, you know, consistently by the halftime like you wanted to? Um, and then when, as far as player development, that's where, again, you're going to look at the development side of the player and look at the data that's pertinent to them. For defender, you're looking at 50-50 um, and, and lost balls, lost ball recovery, for instance. So I think – Again, it's it's really difficult to to narrow down the topics. I think the importance yeah, yeah. of it is to look at in those three structures: in-game strategy, right. sports science, and, and player development. And then from there, identify what you deem is going to be important to you. But but in terms of what specifically you want for a game, I think your important factors are: can you establish how many goals you want to score a game to? on average mm -hmm. so three goal minimum hey that's the standard whether you achieve it or not you you allow that to be the standard for defending right. you want to sustain 75 percent of your 50 50 first touch and then mm -hmm. whatever it may be so i think that as long as it matches your game model and it could change from week to week i recommend not varying it at that level just so you can keep consistency <laughs> and simplicity yeah. with the players but again, yeah. I think it's 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 dependent yeah. on the staff. But then allow your performance analysts um, to dive a little bit deeper into other things that might pique their mm -hmm. curiosity. Yeah, and there's you know, and obviously there's two key two key pieces. It's kind of bookended, I guess, right? In terms of transitional phases here, because you have the data that is maybe that you're looking to implement into a game plan and maybe in game adjustment versus the data that you extrapolate post match, right? That you mm -hmm. then have to interpret and then to going forward, maybe for the next, whether it's the next match or the next training session. Um, so there's two, I guess, two different components going on there. Yeah, that's, that's very true. So if you block it, you know, technically if you do a, a, what I would deem to be a periodization model in terms of identifying what you want to work on and how you're building that out, that should be based on the scouting report. You know, if you're playing a team who's playing a low block, you're going to work all week long on that. And so that's why I say the parameters might change because you're not going to play a lot of transitional game if you have a team who's sitting on top of the 18 the entire time. It's not, it's, that's a territorial game. So understanding that metric, that's where possession might become a value. If you can sustain possession of the ball and you're at the top of the 18 on a low block, then, you, then your chances of winning are going to be high. But then again, it's looking at the shots. Are you taking quality shots, not just 
peppering them all over the field. Um, so so right. it, it does become it does become difficult, but I think it only becomes as difficult as you make it. If you want your your metrics yeah, to yeah. stay the same, they can stay the same. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's yeah, that's a great yeah. It's a great point. Yeah. You know, on back in so in our previous episode with Dave Simeone, he's the uh, director of education programs for United Soccer Coaches. <clears throat> excuse me. He talked about, especially coming out of the uh, this most recent World Cup, how the dynamic is changing in terms of particularly the relationship and what what they're finding with these these post match tech reports, but the relationship that's changing between the head coach and the analyst, right? How have you how are you seeing that develop? Maybe whether it's at the at the pro level, into the college level, power fives, what have you. Or are you seeing that develop, like you personally? Yeah, so it's a it's a hybrid rule. I think I'm one who's been able to benefit from it directly, and I've been blessed to be surrounded by those who supported me in that role and believe in my craft. And over the years, it's it's been just one dimensional. You know, it's just the analyst. It's not a hybrid role. So if you take the example of us, like in the military, for 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 better lack of purposes. You're you're a warfighter first, but then you have your MOS, which is your secondary skill. So if you're a dentist, right. not a dentist, or or you're a mechanic, um, whatever it may be, and it's the same here now. But I think now what you're starting to see is having analysts who were primarily just an analyst role, who are now kind of rolling into this hybrid role mm-hmm. of coach. They're the ones who are watching a lot of the material in tandem with the right. coaching staff. So why restrict that additional voice and that additional person to go out there? Now, again, that all has to be program oriented. You might not want to have too many voices talking. You want to limit that. But again, an analyst has been coming more and more and more relevant, especially in a hybrid role. And I think you're seeing that grow and grow and grow, not only because it's important, but if we're being completely honest, you're going to pay a coach who can do both, or you're going to pay two individuals to do separate jobs. You know, again, right. it depends on right. what level you want to do that. I'm not a data scientist engineer. I'm not that intelligent. I can't do that stuff. You have to have <laughs> someone who can who can do those things, right? So yeah. that's yeah. what it's for. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, you know, stop being humble. You don't have to be humble on yeah. here. But uh, yeah, you know, you, you talked, that was a perfect, you know, analogy there <clears throat> in terms of the military and the, and the warfighter, and then just the primary, you know, the primary job versus all the other things that you do, maybe day to day. Yeah, you know, I, I immediately that brought to mind going back to my active duty days of, if you recall, I'm sure you've seen the movie 300 and yeah. uh, with King Leonidas when they're at the top of the hill, right? And he asks mm-hmm. the Spartans, what is your profession, right? Yeah. Uh, love that scene. Absolutely love that scene. But yeah. now, as we start to transition out of this, I got one last question for you on the performance analytics side. Mm-hmm. How, what do you think? We talked about three to five years in the college game. You mentioned pretty much see it being mandatory, but what about the ripple effect, the impact on maybe the club and the high school game? Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's huge. It's huge. You have companies now like VO, that's essentially an all in one package, right? that has data analysis and all these things. So so players and coaches and, and parents and everyone is now, again, like I said, is, is becoming more accessible. The data is becoming more accessible to all the families and to the coaches. 
And for them, it's a great opportunity, not only for the individual player to mark those types of development and, and have a tangible benchmark uh, as far as a report that lets you know if you're proving, but the club is able to also analyze it. And then most importantly, now they're able to clip the film and they're able to remove the third man from the equation and be able to produce that type of film that's efficient and effective for coaches at the next level. So as far as a recruiting tool, it's, it's huge, especially with the NWSL having more availability. USL2 is going to be opening up as far as um, for more teams with the, with the men's and then with the women's side that's opening up as well. A lot of this information as far as film and data and performance analysis from every level is, is going to become a huge recruiting tool. And it was even with the COVID. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So one of the things that we kind of briefly, we didn't really get into earlier, but you spent a little bit of time as a high school coach as well. In addition to on the club side, I know you're currently actively involved in the club game as well, but how did be, becoming a high school coach help prep you to be in your role now as a college coach? To, to be completely honest, Hector, I, there's a lot. I mean, the, the similarities, the, the biggest difference that I noticed, the big component that's both the same and, and different is the financial component definitely impacts the program, right? Mm -hmm. So college is, is, is essentially like high school for me in, in a lot of facets. When I was a high school coach, because I, I did both boys and girls in Wisconsin, and the seasons are separate, so it's back-to-back. -back. So it was nice. I was able yeah. to do it year-round. And what you're doing between college and high school, with the exception of recruiting, is you're managing players academically, socially, athletically. You're having to manage them as human beings and interacting with peers and with the parents. And then you're also having to interact with parents and giving progress reports on how their performances I mean, I, I've had to sit in on multiple meetings with athletic directors, um, with all the local coaches for votes. I, I'm sure you've gone through the same thing. I know Texas has because we were here with my high school team back in, I believe it was in 2000, I believe 17 or 18. We had the MPS tournament. We played against Nolan Catholic yeah. and a couple other teams. I mean, it's, it's the same. So you're traveling. If you want to play against the better teams, you got to travel. And a lot of that stuff translates to – the collegiate level it's just the biggest difference is, is at the college level you have 24 players that all live and breathe and play soccer whereas high school you're getting more of a mixed batch but as far as yeah. the financial and the team and parents and, and a lot of that stuff it, it has helped me tremendously to be able to get that experience because without you being in that coaching position you don't get that experience at the collegiate level Right. So that's where I think yeah. the high school has really, really helped me make that that step. Awesome. Yeah, it's good to hear. The, um, you know, you've been here going on a year in Texas now um, in your time at A&M. What are your thoughts? Just kind of curious. What are your thoughts on uh, no idea how much you've been able to attend or watch whatsoever, but between what you see, what you hear, social media, what have you, the vibe, what are your thoughts on uh, – the Texas high school soccer scene. Oh, I mean, Texas, te Texas soccer is a, it's a different animal. I mean, Texas athletes, as far as a, as, as a, it's like a nation in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there, there are tremendous athletes. I mean, the, 
these players nowadays are are they're they're so much more athletic than I was. I mean, they're so much more talented. They're so much more disciplined and and just gifted. Um, but particularly in Texas, being able to see the the vast majority because coming from Florida, if soccer, especially in Melbourne, a lot of people played soccer. I mean, we had great talents, the likes of um, you know Ashlyn Harris, Tony Presley, um, just to name just a few who have stepped out of that element that even now you're seeing more of those types of players. So now you look across Texas, there's, I mean, there's these kids, like I said, are getting better and better. And, and with social media and the videos becoming more available, again, that's where you're able to, to see a lot of this. And I mean, it's been quite impressive for Texas. So, I mean, I, kudos, kudos to the state of Texas for what, for what you all do. <laughs> for what you're helping do, what are you talking yeah. about? So, um, so, you know, from Florida to Florida State to now at A&M, you know, whether it was Becky Burley, Mark Krikorian, and, you know, a national title in 2021 while you were there. Congratulations on that again. Um, Thank you. Hoping you're wearing the rock, hoping you were wearing the ring so you could show it off today, but I know you're not going to. Uh, and then now, right, with Coach G there at Texas A&M, um, what has that been like working with and, you know, serving all of those coaches and the commonalities within the programs what's what's your takeaway when you step back and look at that that's a that's a really good question the biggest one for for me is the leadership educator component if you look at all the all the staff all three of those staff they have if not all of them or someone on that staff who's an educator and i think that's an important component being able to articulate your thoughts in a very clear and concise way to touch and motivate and influence everyone is extremely important. And with that came with communication. I mean, Mark, Mike, Ema, Becky, Vic, Alan, G, Phil, Lori, Alyssa, all of them. I mean, everyone I've worked with in those programs have all been extremely good communicators in some way, in, in their own accord, right? Because everyone... Yeah communicates in different ways, but the one common thing that I always felt was important for all of them was communication. Because even with the data analysis, right? So a stressor at Florida and Florida State, even now here at AM, was are we getting the information to the players and is it benefiting them? How are we getting that information to them and are we being clear? Are we one voice, one mind and and being unified um, when we have these discussions? So yeah. So I would say communication as far as the leadership aspect goes, that that was that's the biggest component of commonality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about part of that that uh, national championship squad in Florida State in 2021. Then you then you come over to Texas A&M in your time that you've been here here at Texas A&M. Um, what has your what has maybe been the biggest? I, I don't know whether we want to call it eye opener, surprise or maybe just something that you weren't expecting prior to your arrival uh, here at, a at, well, not here, but in A&M here in Texas? What was the biggest surprise? Oh, that's a that's a really good question. I, I don't know that I can think of anything right after. No pressure. I think in, in, in not a biased way of looking at it, I think the biggest shock for me was is having been in the SEC, and then going to the ACC, and then back into the SEC, 
you still have your core collect teams that are always going to be exceptionally well. But as far as the performance goes and, and how competitive these teams are, everybody wants it. I mean, it's it's right. it's no different. It's no different. I think people are are confused sometimes when teams are underperforming or overperforming that maybe this program doesn't really want it or or they're happy with the way that they're doing things. It's like, no, every single one of these programs wants to win. I mean, all the players are are like that. I can't say that for the rest of the country. I'm not saying that it's not that way for them. But from my experience and and what I've seen as far as uh, a shock was the fact that everyone is very much like that. I'm not, I mean, I, I didn't think everyone had that level of drive in them. I, I sometimes think that it takes a very special person to have that type of level of uh obsession i guess you could say for better lack of words yeah. uh, but i mean it was it was a surprise but no surprise at the same time yeah awesome so he is coach ahmad brown the uh, assistant women's soccer coach and performance analyst at texas a&m university coach let's talk a little bit about the convention the upcoming convention i understand you'll be in attendance correct that's correct i will be there yeah united soccer coaches convention which is taking place this coming week January 11th through the 15th in uh, Philadelphia. What do you have planned? And maybe what are some of the things that you have on your list, like the must-tos? Like, I got to watch this. I got to hear this. What are you most looking forward to? Oh, that's, uh, that's that's a big list. Uh, there's a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think part two. You give us maybe one or two. One or two. Yeah, I, I, I think what it is is I more so want to listen to people. I don't technically always look for the topic so much as I want to listen to people. So like Elif that's at UVA, she's a performance analyst and has worked within the nation and with UVA for quite some time. You know, I really respect her work. And so being able to go there and just listen and, and hopefully steal ideas from her uh, is, is always, yeah. is always great. And then, and then obviously the other one is, is the emotional social slash player development side. Um, and that's, that's with the, what drives winning and, and just those discussions with, with, Becky Burley and that group and Mark Kukorin will be in that group as well. Um, I think that's that's going to be another one is just is make those networks and those connections and, and speak to and, and learn from those individuals. Yeah, awesome. So will you be there? Are you there start to finish or what's, what's yes. that looking like for you? Yes, I'll, I will be there on the 10th through the 15th. Gotcha. So I'll be there a day awesome. early. I'll be there for the whole entire day. Definitely looking forward to it. Hey, feel free to tag us on any cool stuff that you come across. Yeah, We'd yeah. love to be able to be, be able to love to check that out. So awesome. So, uh, all right, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Uh, we're going to bring back Coach uh, Coach Brown with our counterattack segment where we get to pick on him a little bit, have some fun with him, not at his expense with him. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. College Promoters USA, founded and located in San Antonio, operates as the only family-owned college recruiting company in Texas that brings a truly professional, local, and face-to-face -face approach to area high school student-athletes and their families. As the lead sponsor and proud supporter of the 5050 Podcast, alongside Coach Hector Cano, College Promoters is proud to be elevating its support for the college soccer recruiting process more than any other service in the country. If your son or daughter is serious about competing in college soccer, call College Promoters USA directly at 210-494-6363 or visit collegepromotersusa.com anytime. 
College Promoters USA, the best investment a parent can make in their high school student-athlete. And we're back with Coach Ahmad Brown, Assistant Women's Soccer Coach and Performance Analyst at Texas A&M University. Uh, Coach, it's about that time, a little bit of counterattack, but before we get to pick on you, I want to talk uh, really quick about our good friends at Gipper. Uh, so Gipper is the way schools, athletic departments, ADs, and coaches create world-class marketing content. Join 2,500 coaches and ADs and use Gipper to create high-quality visual branded graphics for your program. The best part, anyone can do it in seconds on any device without needing any design experience whatsoever. We've personally, you know, the 5050 podcast, we've been proud partners with them now for going on six months, have absolutely loved it. World-class customer service as well. So now you can be rewarded as a listener of the 5050 podcast. If you want to get a first time, first time Gipper purchase, that's an annual package. You can save 10% off any Gipper, any package whatsoever. First time package, 10% off for 5050 podcast listeners. Just go to gipper.com slash partner slash 5050. Again, that's gipper.com slash partner slash 5050. All right, coach, you ready? Ready. Yeah, uh, I don't know. You look a little nervous to me. I don't know. I don't know. Let's <laughs> that was, that was really All right. Point, point of no return. All right, here we go. First thing right out of the gate. Strangest thing in your refrigerator. Ooh. Um, I don't know. Dill pickles? I don't really like pickles. <laughs> That's the strangest thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah dill pickles? Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, I did actually ask this question. I did actually ask this question to Coach um, to Coach G when we had him on. He said, I think it was, I can't remember, it was dog, I think it was dog food. Dog food or cat food? I want to say dog food is what he said. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's, I think that's been my favorite one so far. So, dog food or cat food? Right. Yeah, I think it was dog food that he said. Dog so, food. yeah. So, yeah. All right. Last song you downloaded. <laughs> last song I downloaded. Um, I just, I just did this one. Tic-Tac-Toe by Meek Mill. <laughs> okay all right so game day superstitions or as a as a coach not as a player game day superstitions or rituals oh film like i have to watch at least i mean i watch at least six games minimum of the opponent i can't go into a match without watching like feeling thorough yeah all right good good i like that one so so now what happens if you don't get in the six now, well that's the thing it's it, usually like six is like the threshold that's 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 about like oh, as I high you. as i go but usually it's about two or three realistically correct? gotcha okay so, all right so book you recommend to coaches and or athletes could be two different books could be the same one 11 book you would recommend to Jackson. say it again oh i two i have two so i would say 11 rings by by phil jackson and then um, Simon Sinek, uh, the, mm -hmm. I believe it's know your why or start with your why. Start with why. Yeah. 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 yeah start with why. I got that. I got that one over here too. So yeah, that was recommended that. to me by Vic Campbell. He kept pushing it on to me. So, yeah. <laughs> have you read his book? So leaders, uh, leaders eat last. Have you read his leaders eat last yet? So I just purchased on Amazon actually for, for like Simon my Sinek. books for, for this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That that one will you'll pick up on a lot of the similarities and the the applicational piece, what you saw in your military career from that one really quick. So. Okay. So, yeah, had the opportunity to actually 
hear him speak. He spoke at my military training instructor graduation course. He spoke to us. So it was awesome. was pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. He's, he's done a lot of work with the military. So, all right. Next one. Favorite and least favorite soccer team. Ooh, favorite soccer team is Borussia Dortmund. And my least favorite soccer team is Portland Timbers. Oh, okay. They have the What's the story behind that one? They're going to hate me for this. I'm going to get ridiculed on Twitter by someone, but Portland Timber fans are the worst. Yeah. It's strictly because of the fans. That's why. No, no other yeah. reason. Just, no, that's yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm with you on the Dortmund one, at least. Yeah. So big fan of their work. Big fan of their work. So big fan of the Bundesliga. I, I am. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. One thing you are. So Ahmad Brown is appointed the soccer czar in America, right? You are in charge of all of soccer in America. All right. Um, what is the very first thing, agenda agenda item number one, that you would change soccer in this country tomorrow? Finance. Make it more available to everybody. Mm -hmm. Keep it at a flat rate. I know that's impossible, but in a perfect world, that's how it happens. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that question, that answer comes up regularly, but it's like, hey, what are we going to do about it? How did we get here? And what are we going to do about it? Right. So. All right. So sponsor sponsorship seems to be one of them, but there's a lot of there's a lot of fees involved. So who mm -hmm. knows? All right. So two part here for you. Greatest and worst sports movie. Greatest and worst sports movie. The greatest yeah. movie, which is a documentary for me, is called The Street Stops Here. It, it, it follows a basketball team at St. Anthony's, coached by Bob Hurley, whose son was Bobby Hurley at Duke. That's a mm. great one. Sure. And then the least, oh, remember the Titans is, oh, no, I don't know about that really? one. Really? Really? Yeah, okay. the, I, I, think, yeah. I think the reason for me, because, <laughs> because I've seen it so many times. I don't, I don't think it's the worst, yeah. it's just one I can't watch anymore. Oh, uh, okay. I got yeah, you. Yeah, too many times. Too many yeah. times. I can't say Friday Night Lights because all of Texas will find me. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually one. That's actually part of mine. To be honest with you, is yeah, mine is a two-parter. Yeah, mine is my my quote-unquote. I have to pick really between three, so I narrow it down to two. But it's like okay. my top three, if you will, are M Miracle, Hoosiers, and Friday Night Lights. Right. Okay. So. But it yeah, is. but I, I think if I have a hard time splitting between Miracle and Friday Night Lights, so love Miracle. So, um, yeah, yeah so okay, <laughs> something you wish you were better at, mm, always communication could always improve communication with everyone from staff to, to the facility keeper to the students' communication, always, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. If not a coach, you would have been what? Garbage man. Oh, I've always wanted to be a garbage man. I like hanging out. I like because <laughs> when I was younger and you'd see them hanging off the back of the truck going around the city, they can't do that yeah. anymore because there's too many lawsuits. But yeah, that's what I would <laughs> Yeah, man. They're being phased out now. They're all I dead. Know. I yeah. Know. <laughs> I know. Really all right. Yeah, that's, un that's unfortunate. Okay. All right. That might be our best one yet. I like that one. So, all right. Most recent binge watch series episodes whatever volume of movies what what have you what's been the most recent binge watch for you netflix 
Chef's Table on Netflix. I I love food, and in fact, their parent there's a there's some uh, woman just outside of Boston who was on Chef's Table. But anything with food and cooking, I binge watch. They have all Chef's, those. Um, yeah, Chef's Table. Yeah, yep. I haven't come across that one. Yeah, you have to check it out. There's the barbecue spot is here in Texas, and she's noted yeah. the barbecue place is noted as one of the greatest in the country. Yeah, it's table. Incredible. You said right, chef's table. Mm-hmm. Chef's table. Okay. Well, there's there's a there's multiple parts series, but she's in the the chef's table barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I haven't come across. I'll ask my wife. I don't know. My wife likes to watch a lot more of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, next one. <laughs> next one. Yeah, she's gonna love me saying that. Right. Yeah. Uh, next one. Yeah, she's not listening anyway. <laughs> beach, the beach, hiking or skiing. Which one? Ooh, the beach. I'm a Florida kid growing up in Melbourne. I was always out surfing. Yeah. 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 All right. Awesome. So, yeah. And uh, speaking of Melbourne, I'll have to share with you offline one of the best players I ever coached. And I just have it happened to be when I was at the Air Force Academy. She was from Melbourne, Melbourne, Florida. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She's a nice. phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal young lady. And uh, I think she's still active duty, probably a at least a captain if not a major by now so oh that's incredible all right uh so next one so you're gonna love this one so if you could do it over again if you could go back would you and if you and if you would which one uh different branch of military that you would have gone into and why is it the air force (laughs) (laughs) it would be the air force my father served Uh, i knew i knew yeah my my father served 24 years. He did Air Command Staff College down in, in Melbourne, um, yeah. and was an educator for for the academy there. I think I would. I think I would go to the Air Force. I wanted to fly, but I'm color deficient, so it's not very mm-hmm. good. You, don't, you can't really see colors up in the sky, so that's not. Yeah, yeah, mixes very you well. Know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting one too because um, have you? I don't know if you've ever seen this. The the so the football life that series. Are you familiar with that series? A football I, life? No, I don't. I don't recall hearing from that. from from NFL Network. I have to just send you the clip on it. So I know you've heard of Roger Staubach, right? Legendary quarterback yeah, for the Mm -hmm. Cowboys. So before he entered Navy, the Naval Academy, he was apparently he was color deficient, right? Quote unquote, color blind, Mm -hmm. but they, they kind of accidentally passed him, right? Passed him (laughs) on his test. (laughs) So it's an interesting story. I always think of that story when I think in terms of the military and the the color, color deficiency. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, last one. I've been asking this one to coaches lately. I love this one. And um, truth be told, I kind of stumbled across this question randomly in one of my own training sessions. And I was like, hmm, I think I'm going to ask this one. Uh, how would you, what you, all that you've done now and all you've learned now, and you could go back and coach you, the player, back in your playing days, right, as a younger kid, how would you have coached you? I think the same way that I coach all the players now is is just have an exceptionally high standard, but be understanding and patient and know that it's a scaffolding system, right? Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Mm -hmm. Just be patient with myself and as I am with others, you know, because it didn't start off that way. I think that's something you acquire over time. But yeah, that's, that's definitely what it would be. Yeah. Yeah. 
smooth as fast. I drop that in my training sessions regularly. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) It works. It works. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I heard that for many years going back Mm -hmm. to my active duty days. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm a believer. So coach, this has been exceptional. This has been great. Have loved having you on. I know we could have, like I said, we could have nerded out and talked about just the analytics piece for an hour by itself. So, uh, but I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your time spending a Saturday with us here. Uh, but before we go, you know, as is customary, we'd like to wrap up with our final thoughts. And since you are our guest, the floor is yours. We want to let you go first. So whether it's any thoughts regarding the game, shout outs, thank yous, whatever final thought it is that you may be, the floor is yours. Yeah, no, Hector, I just want to say thank you for having me on the podcast. You know, I think what you're doing is is great. As I said before, this wasn't a platform that was easily accessible for someone like me when I started. So I encourage everyone to listen to the 50-50 podcast. And, and if you can, you know, just continue to listen and hear the different perspectives and views of others. Because the amount of information that you can get from just simply listening is, is, is tremendous. And I think what, again, like I said, what you're doing here is, is great. And I appreciate you bringing me onto the show and being able to share some of my experiences with others. Yeah. Thank you, coach. I, I sincerely appreciate that coming from you. Thank you again for all you're doing. Wish, uh, wish you and the squad, the absolute best coach G, you know, give coach, uh, coach G a, a shout out for me as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your team, the squad, the fact the staff, I should say there, wish you guys a great 2023 in this, both in the spring and then next fall as well. So, uh, so thank you. Thank you for being here. And our final thoughts are pretty simple. You know, it's obviously the early season, the UIL early season Texas high school soccer tournament period is here over the next really two weekends, starting with this weekend. So have been seeing a lot of stuff coming across social media. Congratulations to everybody who's out there that's competing, especially to those teams that they kind of, you know, they're, they're putting themselves out there in terms of being a little bit vulnerable. They're not trying to, they're not trying to make it through this weekend or the first two weekends undefeated. They're trying to test themselves, challenge themselves and put in the work uh, in January, hoping that it can pay off through district play. And especially in late March and early April, as we start getting working towards Georgetown for the uh, state tournament. So, so congratulations to everybody out there who's been out there competing through this first weekend. I will be on my way out shortly as well to cover a couple of matches. So looking forward to that. Uh, so thank you for all you're doing. And again, you can find us on uh, on social media. You can find us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod, as well as on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast. Go to YouTube as well. Please subscribe. Hit the notification so you can get notified whenever we have an upcoming episode. We will be back on Monday with, uh, in case you didn't already see that, with Tom Beyer. So the uh, original, the founder of soccer or football starts at home and as well as legendary international trainer and consultant, as well as done a lot of work with the Japan, the Japanese Football Association as well. So big fan of his work. Has done a lot of work with the Houston Dynamo as well. So uh, we'll be back on Monday. Please be sure to check that out because I'm really looking forward to that one as well because that, that's going to be a different one. So I'm really looking forward to being able to pick his brand a little bit. So that's going to do it again for uh, Coach Brown, the assistant women's soccer coach and performance analyst at Texas A&M. And uh, thank you again for everything. And you guys know what to do. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening. You've been listening to the 5050 Podcast, powered by College Promoters USA. 
Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod, on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast, as well as on YouTube at the 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.